This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hello and welcome into the Fog.net podcast. My name is Michael Swain, the Kansas beat writer for 24-7 Sports. We're recording this on a Monday morning because in modern day travel, you can't expect anything to happen on time. Kevin Flaherty is here with me. He had some delays. I had the opposite of delays getting back from Austin. We're going to discuss Kansas football's 40 to 14 lost to Texas on the road. Kevin, I think we probably bookended the uh, the airports in Austin. My flight yeah. left. It left at 5.30 a.m. And Ooh. I think yours probably left a lot later than mine. But for you, I, I know you're down in Austin. Um, do you have fun on the trip? Yeah, overall, it was uh, it was a pretty good trip. Uh, got to have a lot of uh, a lot of really good food. I know uh, somebody's probably going to get mad at me for mentioning I had some really good barbecue in a place other than Kansas City, but uh, but no, it, it was uh, it was a really fun trip overall. I, I think you know it, it was kind of cool too, you know, flying down uh, as I did. I, I'm not sure. I think you flew down a little bit later than we did. I think mm-hmm. we flew down early Friday morning. It, it was kind of cool to see all the crimson and blue on, on the flight, you know, down mm-hmm. it and everything. And so, you know, seemed uh, seemed like I was not alone in, in terms of you know people heading uh, heading down from from Lawrence and Kansas City for this one. Yeah, there were a few people that I talked to around kind of just the the stadium there in Austin that said that there were a lot of KU people. Not necessarily that you could tell in the stadium. Like yeah. there really wasn't a huge contingent maybe in the stadium that i saw at least but you know it would seem like there were a good amount of ku fans there obviously i think the the game didn't go the way people would have hoped and obviously i think a lot of that has to do with the starting quarterback sure. playing so we could probably start here because that's probably the biggest storyline coming out of this game right you know Jalen daniels doesn't play he spent last week getting reps with the ones as of Friday night, he was going to start Saturday morning at some point between waking up and when they left for the the stadium, he tweaked his back and tweaked it pretty badly from what Lance Leipold has said and from what I've heard behind the scenes. And he wasn't able to go. He went out for the first portion of warmups where guys go out and kind of their, their pads or shorts. And he did a little bit. It's hard to tell in that instance, right? If you're watching him, hey, he doesn't look right. But he then went back to the locker room and didn't come back out again, was getting treatment the entire time. And as a result, Jason Bean starts. And Kevin, I don't know if you disagree or agree, but Jason Bean, he looked like a quarterback that got second team reps all week and all of a sudden was yeah. thrust into the starting spot, you know, right before the game was about to start. Yeah. And that's such a, a tough situation. And, and, you know, not that, 
not that this show is going to be all about ripping Jason Bean, but I do think that you need to put that performance kind of into context. And I'm glad that, that you did that because that, that's a tough deal against anybody, much less against Texas with yeah. the defensive players that they have uh, and, and everything else there. I, I didn't think, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, you know, I thought Kansas needed Jalen Daniels to win this game, but even beyond that, Kansas needed a really good version of Jalen Daniels, I think, to to win this game. You know, the the Jalen that we've seen at, at different times this year when he maybe hasn't been quite as sharp, I don't think that would have been enough to get it done. And Jason Bean comes in instead. It's not even the sharpest version of Jason Bean that we've seen. It. And so, you know, that, that really added up. And, and I think, you know, you see a lot of online uh, kind of chatter, I guess you will, um, about, well, if Jalen played this, if Jalen played that, I'm not super comfortable doing that because I really feel like games change, you know, when when you have different people in there. If Jalen Daniels came out, led Kansas to a touchdown on his first possession, I think Texas plays differently. And I think yeah. that when you look at, you know, I, I know in our section, uh, we were the only KU fans in our section that were surrounded by Texas fans. Mm. They were not very happy with the Texas play calling. But, you know, one of the things that, that I kind of felt like was Steve Sarkeesian basically said, okay, with Jason being at quarterback or, or however he wanted to phrase it, the thing that we have to do is not shoot ourselves in the foot. We're going to win this game as, as long as we stay the course. And so I thought Texas, you know, maybe adjusted its game plan a little bit too, knowing that they weren't having to go against Jalen Daniels. Yeah, and broadly, like <laughs> – in hindsight, KU was not going to win that game with Jalen Daniels. That's not going to yeah. change the fact that Texas' defensive line and offensive line was an inch or two taller and 15 to 20 pounds heavier with muscle than KU's offensive lineman and defensive lineman. Like, that's a team and, that and made Alabama look <laughs> like they, they made Alabama look small. Yeah. Right? It takes a lot to do that with how well Alabama recruits. And I, I just look at this game and, and I say, okay, if Jalen Daniels does play and he plays it his best, you know, maybe it is a, a two score game or it's a 10 point loss for Kansas. I just don't know if, if it's a game that KU would be able to win just because tech, you look at what Texas did and they've, they wore down KU over the course of the game. Obviously the defense being on the field for 40 minutes, playing over 85 snaps, right? Yep. They're going to wear down. And I think if Jalen Daniels is there, right, you expect, hey, the offense will be able to move the ball a little bit and hold on to it more than it did. I still don't think it changes what Texas would have done in the second half, in the fourth quarter, when the game really was there to be won for Kansas or Texas. Like, I just don't know if that would happen. But let's dive into the Jason Bean performance here then because sure. I think – you know, sharpness, right, I think is the big theme of this. Uh, you know, if this is the Jason Bean that played against Missouri State, right, and had a week of practice, had a week of preparation, I think maybe connects on some of the passes in the first half, right? I think there were maybe two deep balls that he just missed. Yeah. And I, I look at those plays and say those are kind of the sliding doors moments because early on in the game, right, Kevin? KU ran the ball pretty well. Yep. You know, the option game was working all right, but then 
there would be one play where KU would try to throw to open up the run and the throw being complete, then it's second and 10. And then all of a sudden it's really hard to get back to where it's a third and short. And as a result, KU really struggled on third down. But I guess offensively in the first half, what did you think? Because I thought, you know, with the run game going, it looked like, okay, maybe KU can do some stuff here. But I just felt like as kind of the, the first half went on, Texas kind of said, all right, we're just going to load up the box now. And you're going to struggle to run. And that's when those big shot plays came. And KU just didn't execute. And, you know, and it's one of those deals where if you complete one of them, right, you saw it in the second half, maybe it's a, a little bit of a different story going into halftime. Yeah, I think, you know, he missed on a couple deep balls. There were a couple throws that I thought he let go, you know, a second too late or so mm-hmm. where, you know, the throw came after the break rather than right on the break, where which is where against Texas, that's, you know, you're not going to have typically the sort of space that uh, that Trevor Wilson had when he when he ran into the end zone. Typically, you're going to be throwing the ball in the smaller windows, and the way that you complete passes there is not necessarily by having a howitzer; it's mm-hmm. with anticipation. And, and I thought the anticipation wasn't as sharper or wasn't as dead on it as maybe you would hope. You know, it also hurt, you know, the drive that the Jason Bean put a third down pass on Trevor Wilson and he didn't catch it. And, you know, that was a, that was a tough one. You have a chunk run and it gets called back for a hold. You know, I mean, there, there are little things like that, that, you know, when I, I realize it's sort of an overarching theme and it's the theme we talk about every week is how cleanly does KU play. But the reason we do is, when you're going up against top competition like Texas, you really need to play a clean, clean game to win. And, and that's not just penalties. That's, you know, that's sort of everything, you know, Mm -hmm. are you doing your assignments correctly? You know, are you catching passes when they hit you in the hands and, and different things like that? And, you know, Texas didn't play its best game against Kansas. And I think that's, you know, that that's kind of a little scary too, but Kansas did not play its best game against Texas either. You know, when you look at, at the different components of that. Yeah. And so uh, I thought that was, that was the main takeaway, you know, sort of in the first half was I just felt like Bean was a half step late on some of those throws. I thought, you know, the reads were a half second late. Then, then, you know, when, when you have different things that kind of put you behind the chains, you know, a missed block here, a drop pass there, you know, that, that really put a lot of pressure on being to, to be really sharp. And he just wasn't. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is probably now, right. We're almost at the halfway point of the season, which in and of itself is crazy to say, right. We're half, almost halfway through the season. Um, But this offense continues to shoot itself in the foot. Right. Like that is probably an overarching theme dating back to the second half against Illinois. And really since then, right. The offense has really shot itself in the foot. Right. I think it's been covered a lot about the Nevada game, about BYU at times. And even here, right. You mentioned it, right. KU's wide receivers don't really drop passes that often. And Trevor Wilson has it right in his hands for a first down that would have got KU either near midfield or over midfield. And just drops it like he needs to catch that. And you look at, like you mentioned, the run that gets negated. I think even there's a, there's a bit of luck for KU in the first half too, 
right? The fumble that Jason Bean had, Daniel Hyshaw, it's like a rugby play where the guy's like running right behind him. And it wasn't a pitch, but, you know, it ended up being like that with the way the ball bounced, right? The ball bounced KU's way there. And you got the Texas field goal kicker missing, I believe, two kicks in the first half. You know, it was one of these games where, and this is probably what is so frustrating for KU fans, if I had to guess, is that this was a game that, at least in the first half, all the breaks outside of the quarterback not being there, right? But all the breaks within the actual game kind of felt like they were going KU's way, right? Texas sure. was leaving points up on the board. Um, KU got kind of a little bit of a fortunate bounce on a touchdown, right? And you're looking at the game and saying, man, if Jalen Daniels was here and the offense could actually move the ball a little bit, maybe this would be a different game, right? And that's why it's so hard to try and dive into, is this game different? If Jalen Daniels is there, because I right, like I said earlier, I still think the second half probably plays out very similarly. But I think the offense can't keep kick, you know, shooting itself in the foot. Especially, we don't know what Jalen Daniels' status is going to be. You know, Lance Leipold will speak with local reporters on, on Monday. Probably by the time you're listening to this, he's already talked to us, and we'll have a, a story up as soon as he does that about what he has to say about Jalen Daniels. But with the unknown status of him for this week maybe for Oklahoma state, like who knows, like KU needs to execute offensively. And that's just something that they haven't really done consistently since week two. And it's starting to be a little bit of a concern for me because, you know, for KU, when they are at peak efficiency, teams can't score with KU when they're not shooting themselves in the foot. And that just seems to be happening a little too often. Yeah. And you look at the way that they're able to run the ball typically. And the Mm -hmm. fact that they're able to adjust the way that they run the ball on the fly to sort of meet what the the opposing defense is doing to him. It, the unfortunate thing is, is once KU was was really struggling, you know, to throw the ball. I think Texas, you know, kind of pinned its ears back and, and made it really difficult uh, to continue with that. But you look at the scripted run game to come out and, and what they were able mm-hmm. to do. They were able to get some some really good option looks. They were able to to get some really uh, they, they were able to create some nice gains, but also, I mean, there were plays where they just flat out blocked pretty well. And, you know, a guy would stick his nose in and get five or six yards or, or whatever else, whether it was Daniel Hyshaw or, or Devin Neal. And, and so, you know, it, it's a little bit frustrating on that part. I'm sure we'll talk Jalen's injury, you know, sort of to end up the podcast because we usually do a little bit of a, you know, hey, what's this mean slash look ahead thing. But the, the other thing that I thought was really interesting, and it, it's so funny because you, you look at that 661 yards, and, and obviously Texas moved the ball extremely well in that game. But I, I thought the defense, particularly in the first half, played its tail off. I mean, no, numbers be darned, and a lot of it was them stepping up after Texas had already moved the ball into the red zone or moved mm-hmm. the ball close to the red zone, but... What were your thoughts overall on the defense in that first half? Yeah, I thought it was exactly almost the mindset that I think at times KU had on defense last year where it was bend but don't break, right? I think at times you saw the soft coverage again for KU trying to keep everything in front of them, not letting Xavier Worthy get deep, A.D. Mitchell get deep. Um, And Texas took advantage, right? Because they're a really well-coached team and they've got dudes all over the offense, right? And then when it came time to get in the red zone, when you don't have to play as deep, right? You can kind of play a little bit more aggressively. 
I thought that was when the defense looked okay. And they obviously had a few really big stands and it's still one of those things for me where I look in the trenches and say, when Texas wanted to run the ball, they were more or less able to do that. It was kind of the situations where if KU did have a really good rep on a first down, right, maybe in the red zone, maybe when Texas was over midfield, that then maybe they were able to slow down Texas a little bit more. Um, but I thought defensively, you're right. Like the guys played their butts off. It was hot. You could probably test that more than me, right? <laughs> Walking into the stadium, it was really hot, but I, I'm also fortunate to get to sit in a press box where air conditioned thankfully. Um, but it was hot. And I think those guys were just competing and there wasn't any sort of fuss. Like I didn't see any arguing on the sidelines in the first half. You know, I just was guys going out there and really working hard and trying to keep the the rest of the team in the game. And honestly, they were able to do that because you look at the, the scoring, right. And it's what 14 to, it was 13 to seven at half. And you're looking at and saying, okay, right? Like the defense did its job. You held Texas to 13 points in the first half. That's all you could ask for, right? If going into the game, you said Texas is going to have 13 points at the half. KU's offense is going to struggle. Like, would you take that? And I think you'd say defensively. Yeah, you would. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt. And you look at, you look at the fact that, you know, one of the things that we talked about earlier this year was that the first guy wasn't necessarily always making the tackle, right? You know, there mm-hmm. were, KU was getting a guy to the ball, but he was, the first guy was missing the tackle quite a bit. But one of the differences between this year and last year was a lot of times his buddies came pretty quickly after that. And, and Kansas was showing to be a much more successful gang tackling team. I thought in the first half that played out a lot more often where, Mm -hmm. you know, Jonathan Brooks, you know, who had just a humongous game, you know, I think, you know, he'd make a guy miss and then, you know, guys number two and three would kind of clean the play up or, or whatever else. I think as you went on in the second half as KU wore down, there wasn't a second guy or third guy, you know, a lot of times, it was a safety coming in trying to make, you know, a tackle in space on Jonathan Brooks. And and that started really not going KU's way. And that was sort of when the chunks really started opening up and, mm-hmm. and when kind of the the whole sort of trajectory of the game, uh, the game changed. It's interesting mm-hmm. because you had uh, you, you have this game where Kansas is kind of hanging around hanging around um, the touchdown by Trevor Wilson. Then you get a stop and all of a sudden you're in the third quarter. Kansas is down less than a touchdown and Kansas has the ball with the chance to take the lead. One of the things that we've talked about on this show, not just this year, but last year was, and again, I do think there's context for why Jason Bean struggled. There's a lot of it. I mean, his offensive line struggled to block people. His receivers weren't getting open. He found out he got the starting job 30 minutes before the game. I mean, all of these different things. But one of the things that we've talked about consistently is the difference between Jalen Daniels and Jason being in high leverage possessions, Mm -hmm. you know, possessions like that where you say, hey, if Kansas goes down and scores here, Texas is feeling this thing a little bit, you know, because all of a sudden Texas has moved the ball up and down the field, up and down the field, but Kansas leads. And, and, you know, the feeling of the game changes and everything else, Kansas instead doesn't, 
you know, move the ball, Texas winds up, you know, getting it back, scoring, put it, and then, you know, kind of putting the game away from there. But that, that was, I think, one of the frustrating things for me is you get that ball and you get a chance, and then it winds up, uh, that was the possession where you wound up going for it on fourth down, had kind of the weird little, like, yanked handoff, if you will. You know, it's it, it was, you know, where, where Highshaw seemed to really, you know, try to take the ball and Bean tried to take it, and it resulted in kind of almost like a delay. Um, but he, they went for it on fourth down, didn't get it, and that was that was kind of the game from that point. What did you think of the decision to go for it on fourth down there? I didn't mind the decision to go for it. I was glad – they didn't do the sprinting up to the line part for it. Uh, I I just, you know, it was, it was fourth and one and off the top of my head, you know, I don't remember if it was fourth and a half yard or fourth and a full one or, or what it, what specifically it was to say, Hey, you should have lined up under center and, you know, ran QB sneaker or whatever. I do think, you know, you don't, that looked like a read play where basically you hand off or you keep it. Yeah. I think on fourth down and one, a lot of times, and particularly this is, this is going to come across as mean, but I think you're, you're going to know what I mean. Jason Bean is not a fast processor. It's not his strength. He doesn't read things all that quickly. And so I think on a, on a fourth and one play, you don't want to give an option, Right. Uh, in my opinion, you know, I don't had I didn't have a problem going for it on that fourth down because, like mm-hmm. I said, I feel like you go down, you score a touchdown there, it does sort of change the trajectory of the game. For so sure. I didn't have a problem with that. That was that that was the swing right there. I think you know, if it were me, I would have called just a straight handoff or something, you know, something where you would not have had the sort the opportunity for things to kind of go awry as they did. Yeah. And to be fair, Texas blew up the handoff. So, I mean, if it was a straight handoff, you know, Highshaw still probably wouldn't have made it. But I'm just saying, like, I I think that that would have been something that that I would have kind of focused on is, hey, take away, you know, take away the if, you know, Mm -hmm. just make it a a straight call like, hey, this thing's being run up the middle or, or whatever else. What do you think? No, you need an if. You're, you so? you're like you're Kansas and this is now Kansas, right? Yeah, right? sure. Like an offensive line, defensive line combo. That's middle of the big 12. Yeah. You're still Kansas going against the best, maybe defensive line. That's not Georgia. Sure. You can't just line up and try and run the ball. Cause what we saw is going to happen. They're going to have three guys in the backfield, right? As Mike Nowitzki snaps the ball. Cause the interior of the offensive line wasn't very good. Right. And I think KU had to go for it. They had like if they want to be serious in the game, you have to go for it. You need that. I agree with the processing. Right. Jason Bean, again, not, you know, lickety split can do it in a split second, make a decision. You still need that. And though, because you can't line up and try and blow them off the ball. You need I'm to have some. You have to, I'm not saying you have to run running back power, but I think you can have no, a full, Kevin, Kevin, you Kevin. Have a fullback. No, 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 no. no, no. Well, no let's be real here. You can do different things like no. That. Let's be real here. They are not. If they run the ball there, they're not getting anywhere. Texas knows they're going to try and run the ball. 
So you have to have some sort of extra bit that, okay, maybe one of the defensive ends crashed. Okay, now Jason Bean tries to get it. Or maybe it's an RPO type of concept. There needs to be something else there that gives some sort of hesitation. Because again, Kansas is not going to move Texas when Texas knows you're trying to run the ball on fourth and one. It's just not going to happen. And you saw that as the game went on, that when Kansas tried to run the ball, they really, really struggled and weren't able to. Now take that into a situation where you line up with Jared Casey and Mason Fairchild on the field, and everyone in the building knows KU's going to try and run the ball. So I think that's one of those situations where, yes, Jason Bean is not the fastest person in terms of making that decision, but you still have to do something that's different. What, and what I don't know. If, I don't know if doing a read option there with Daniel Hyshaw when, um, you know, I, I don't know if that's the exact thing, but there's got to be some sort of extra layer there. I think sure. something in the RPO department would have been fine on a slant. I don't know, but it can't just be, Hey, we are going to run the ball because it's not going to work. No, what I'm, what I'm saying, I, I'm not saying straight up, you know, Hey, hand the ball to Hyshaw or whatever else. I wouldn't have even had a problem with it looking like a read play, but being a bean keep all along. I'm just saying you take the decision away to where that's something that can trip you up. You you allow your guy to play fast. You know, if it's something where, you know, there, there are plays where people will say, oh, it's a zone read play, and it's not actually a zone read play. It was a give all along, or it was a take yeah. all along. I wouldn't have had a problem with something like that. I wouldn't have had a problem lining up with two running backs, you know, one right next to him or whatever else and acting like it was a power handoff, but actually giving it to the fullback really quickly. I think there are different things that you can do there. I just think you take away the choice part of it that kind of leads that little bit of, of delay because I don't mm. think an RPO, I think would have been fine, but I think overall when you're running the ball like that, you know, it, I felt like Bean still hadn't decided whether he should give the ball or, or keep it, you know, when the play was already over. Yeah. And I think that was two players individually that probably were like, I'm going to make the play here. Sure. And that's why that ends up happening. So yeah, it, that was a, I think that for me, right. That's when the game really was like, okay, this yeah. is like the chance it, it, of Kansas, Kansas had a chance. There it was, yeah. you know, and, and sort of, yeah, exactly. That, that's a spot where it looked like, okay, yeah, th this is probably going to get out of hand now. And at that point, right. Then the defense is right back on the field. And, you know, at that point it's, it's starting to get late in the game. And from then on, you know, it, it got out of hand. And so that's why I think in the end, right. The, the stats end up looking like, you know, uh, by the way, by the way, after, so after uh, after that fumble and, and Kansas doesn't get it, you know Texas run, 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 touchdown. Yep. I mean it, it was five five plays, all runs. You know, four of them went to Jonathan Brooks, and uh, and they covered thirty two yards in five plays. But I mean Texas just basically said, "Hey, this is." Mm -hmm. This is it. We're gonna line up, run the ball, and Kansas couldn't stop it. Nope. And that was it. So I'm curious now, like looking ahead, right? Does this game change much for you? Maybe no, the Jalen Daniels. Take out Jalen. Yeah. Take the Jalen Daniels factor out of this. 
the other, you know, 20 position groups, 21 position groups, um, or position groups, they're the 22, like starting position players. You know what I'm saying? Um, does it change the way you feel about things going into UCF and then Oklahoma state before the bye week? Not, not a ton. And the reason why is, you know, I realize this isn't a Texas podcast, but you know, I, I covered Texas for four years. I think uh, a lot of people uh, know that already. Uh, and, and so I've had a chance to see a lot of Texas teams in, in person over the last, mm. you know, 10, 15 years or whatever. And covering KU before I covered Texas, I saw the 08, the 09, the 10, 11, 12, 13, and then saw, you know, various <laughs> Texas teams since then. This is the best Texas team I, I've seen in person since 08. You know, in terms of on both lines, I think they're terrific. You know, they've got really good running backs. The wide receiver talent is just absurd. And especially when you add in Jatavian Sanders sort of to that group as as a receiving tight end. Uh, But, you know, Texas basically said to KU, like, okay, Xavier Worthy is really good, but we don't even have to look his way when Kobe Bryant is on him. Let's just hit A.D. Mitchell, who's mm-hmm. going to be over, open over and over and over again uh, on Melo Dotson. And, and so when you when you look at that offensively, they're really good. Defensive line, they're fantastic. They have great athletes, you know, in the middle and in the back end, mm-hmm. um, especially when they can play nickel and get Jade Barron out there. He's, he's really, really good. And all of that is a really long way to say it's not that Texas isn't flawed. I think that that Texas secondary, you know, there might be somebody that is able to take advantage of that group a little bit if they're able to protect, which is a a major yeah. question. But all of that is to say, this is a really, really good Texas team. Like we can get mm-hmm. our jokes off and, oh yeah, is Texas back? And, you know, all these other things. Texas is back. Like, I'm not saying long-term. I'm not saying whatever else. I'm saying for this season, you know, I I think Texas has a legitimate top five team. And and so it didn't necessarily change my opinion a whole lot on Kansas, Mm -hmm. just given that, you know, watching it, I could see how other fan bases, like I could see Kansas State fans watching that game and being like, oh, look at the way, you know, Texas is running the ball. We're going to run the ball over KU that way. But the, the thing is, it wasn't just that Texas was running the ball. It was that Texas could throw it whenever they wanted to. Mm. you know. And, and Texas doesn't have the weaknesses that K-State has on, on the other side of the ball, too. And so when you look at, at all of that, I, don't, I think I came away basically saying Kansas just played its toughest opponent. And in that test, Kansas failed you know, on the road. We, we can say that. But... Mm-hmm. At the same time, there isn't another team left on the schedule capable of testing Kansas, I think, in the same ways. And so a lot of us thought that Kansas would be sitting here coming out of the first five games 4-1, and one, or at least had a chance to if things went right. And mm-hmm. here they are at 4-1. and one. You know, if you stack another 4-1 on one on top of this, Swain, you're at 8-2 and two and you're in the thick of the Big 12 title game hunt. And, and so... You know, I, I think it's it didn't change a whole lot for me, positive, positively or negatively. Yeah. To be honest with you, Kansas is kind of at the same spot. I feel like again, leaving the the Jalen part out of it, Kansas is kind of you know they are who we thought they were type of 
type of deal. What do you think? Yeah, I think Texas is going to – here's a prediction. I think Texas will spend a week at least as the number one team in the country. Yeah. I think if they, I think they're going to roll Oklahoma this week. And after that, you know, I don't know who really is going to be able to challenge them. I don't know if they're going to run the table. I don't know if they're going to have a loss in them. But it's that good of a team. I think for KU, it's still a team that needs to play complimentary football. Right. And I think this is the game where it's kind of like it's like Jenga where like you get to the point where it's kind of like you got like one little block you're trying to pull out. And if you don't pull it out right, the whole thing kind of crumbles. And that's kind of what we saw where you pull one little bit out in terms of the offense being able to just sustain a drive. Not like not even consistently. Can they just do it like twice? Right. And they really couldn't. And you do that and all of a sudden it comes crumbling down because then the defense can't stop anybody. And then because they're tired, right, they're playing almost 90 snaps in 100 degree heat. And then you're looking at the offense having to play a different style because they have to play catch up. Right. And so it all kind of just comes tumbling down. Sure. Who can put that type of pressure on Kansas? Right. UCF might struggle in the trenches. They have not finished games well. Oklahoma State has not looked very good. They're coming off a bye week. They'll play K-State this week. I think we'll see a little bit more and see what they look like. But that's not a very good team. And then there's the bye week for KU. And I think so much of this now is what does Jalen Daniels' status look like heading into the bye week? You know, if if this back tweak for him, and this is just me guessing, right? Lance will talk it, you know, 11 today and we'll hear more. But if this back tweak is similar to what happened kind of early in preseason camp where he kind of missed three weeks, well, if he misses three weeks right now, that puts him at about the Oklahoma game in terms of just like being ready to go. And for all we know, he's back at practice today and is able to go, you know, practice is just starting as we're recording this. Um, So we'll learn more about the status, but I think a lot of this does depend on what Jalen Daniels is able to do. I want to ask you this then, because I think we talked about this at times last year. Yeah. Can KU beat UCF and Oklahoma state with Jason Bean as a starter? I think it's going to be tough against UCF, especially with, you know, John Rice Plumley probably coming back this week. You know, yeah, we'll I, I, didn't, I didn't know if you saw, uh, yeah, Gus Malzahn said that he was cleared last Friday that they didn't play him against Baylor because he hadn't gotten the reps and, and things like that and said it was more, you know, sort of more likely that, that this would be the week. Like you said, you know, coaches say things as possibility that there's some gamesmanship going on there. <laughs> Um, but with, if Rice Plumley does play, you know, I, I think, you know, you're looking at a team that, that is probably going to put up points against Kansas and, and is Kansas able to keep pace with that, uh, with mm-hmm. Jason Bean? I, I think that's, that's a real fair question. I, I do think Kansas can beat Oklahoma state with Jason Bean. Um, that team has really, really struggled this year and, and struggled across so many different phases you know it's hard to almost kind of put your fingers in and say one the the interesting thing about this uh obviously i i would have loved i think all of us would have loved to see jalen daniels against texas you know buy, buying tickets you know flying down getting a hotel and everything to to go to austin and then jalen daniels doesn't play it's a little bit frustrating there's a lot of online discourse that i'm sure you saw 
various people saying, oh, you know, Jalen quit, you know, Jalen. That's ridiculous. You know, Jalen's scared of Texas, you know, he can't be relied on, all these different things. And, and I'll just tell you this from, from my own personal experience. And I didn't have a lot of great football experience, but I did have a lot of football experience of being injured. And uh, my, uh, my senior year, I played through torn knee ligaments. Like I, I had a torn meniscus and a torn MCL and I was on crutches. I came off crutches and I continued to play. I played when I shouldn't have been playing quite frankly on knee ligaments. It was something I could play through my sophomore year. I wound up really hurting my back and it was the sort of thing that I could not do anything. Even if I had wanted to put on pads and go out and play, I, I couldn't do it. And it mm -hmm. was a back spasms, you know, type of thing. And, and the thing that I'll say about it too is, you know, as you get older, you'll wake up and you'll have the odd back problem that kind of rolls out in a, a week or so, you know, whatever else. You know, my sophomore year, when, it, when I heard it, it was about a month. And there were days in there when I felt like, you know, like, hey, this this isn't so bad. I'm on the road to recovery. And then the next day, you know, be doing something relatively innocuous, you know, reaching up for, for something on top of the fridge. And it was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die again. And, <laughs> and so, you know, I, I think it's really easy for people to say, oh, this guy, he's not tough. He doesn't have heart. He's not playing through injuries. I'm just here to tell you as somebody who has had like serious injuries that I was able to play through and a back injury that I wasn't, backs are like that, man. I mean, it, it, they really are. Where it impacts every single thing that you do, it, it's hard to move. And, and, and I think that's, you know, that's such, I realize I've been rambling for a while, but it's such an absurd line of thought, too, given, you know, Swain, we saw Jalen's freshman year, and that guy got absolutely assassinated five times a game. You know, I mean, it was it was like a WWE match out there because Kansas couldn't protect him. I mean, you think about there was that nasty, like, helmet-to-helmet -helmet shot against Baylor. Mm -hmm. I mean, you remember that? And then I think there was a play against Oklahoma. He got kind of crushed between two guys, and... And the other thing is, you know, and I'd like for you to touch on this, you know, if you would, because you're around Jalen more than I am. But my mm -hmm. experience is being around Jalen is this is a guy who has an absolute joy for football. Like it's something that he absolutely loves. And so the idea that, hey, this guy would, you know, look around out there and be like, oh, no, I'm just you know, my back, I'm not going to play. It, it seems so silly and ridiculous to me. Yeah, it is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. People just want to make up conspiracies for fun. And yeah. other teams want to do it to rile up KU fans too. Keep yeah. that in mind, right? You know, I saw people were quote tweeting my tweet being like, there are rumors that Jalen's going to transfer. It's like, yeah. what, what are we doing here? Like, come on. The guy has been dealing with the back injury. You want to go back and watch some of the first half against Illinois. Watch him get up off the turf a couple of times and watch him grimace. Like yeah. he played through pain against Illinois. He's played through pain this season. Guess what? He was probably in a lot of pain back in the locker room and why he couldn't play. Right. And he's the type of guy that they didn't stop working on him when Jason Bean started the game. They were working on him into halftime. 
where they're trying to get him out there just so he could go. And you know that he wanted to be out there too. And you know that they also tried everything they could to get Jalen to be able to go out there and physically play, but he couldn't. And it, yeah. it's, it's okay that he wasn't able to play and that he probably wasn't cleared to play by doctors. And that's why doctors are there so that Jalen in his own mind probably would have said, yeah, I'll go out there and play like, screw this. I'll be okay. You know, it's just ridiculous. So yeah, we'll see. I think so much of the, I agree on UCF. We'll see about Plumlee, right? I think their coordinators talking on Sunday, they said that Plumlee will practice more this week and then they'll see, Yeah, you know, so we'll have to see. I think the, the spread opened at like three, three and a half and, I think that's probably fair if you're going to say, hey, Jason Bean is a starting quarterback, right? Yep. Where you're saying if KU had to go on the road to play um, UCF, right? They would be underdogs by probably a less than a score, you know? But we'll see this week. And I think if Lance Leipold comes out and says Jalen's going to start, first of all, I'd say, okay, I'll believe it when I see it. Second of all, that'll the line would probably move a little bit more. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think KU can beat UCF with jason bean because guess what ucf does not have the dudes in the trenches that texas has they've got very good skill position players right don't get me wrong there their running back is sweet they've got some sweet wide receivers their defensive backs are really good there's a guy on uh, in the secondary that ku tried to recruit from the portal last year like they've got good players in the secondary and at wide receiver and running back but i think the trenches right are where you've seen a lot of these new big 12 teams struggle BYU got worn down. Cincinnati has really struggled. UCF has not finished games strong. And I think that's an area where I could look at this game on Saturday and say, hey, it's probably going to be tied at halftime, or it'll probably be maybe a three-point swing one way or the other. But in the fourth quarter, when the other team starts wearing down, I think at this point I do have confidence in KU's offensive line to be able to create the holes for for the running backs to go and, and run and control the clock and do what Texas did to Kansas. And so I think, yeah, KU can beat UCF and they can beat Oklahoma State without Jalen Daniels, but I think everyone would agree you want Jalen Daniels out there if he's healthy to play. Yeah, sure. And, and I think – the tough thing about a back and the thing that's going to be tough for for people trying to size this whole thing up is to be 100% honest with you, you know, maybe Jalen's good to practice on Tuesday and maybe he's not on Wednesday. Like mm-hmm. that's the way that yeah, this is totally. going to go. And, and totally. you know, it's it's an unfortunate deal. You know, if, if KU had a month, you know, you could sit Jalen and, you know, just let the back kind of work it, itself out maybe, but that's just not the case. And so there's even a possibility in here that we see Jalen against UCF and don't see Jalen against Oklahoma state. I mean, it, it really is that sort of, that sort of deal where you could see flare ups and, and different things that, yeah, you know, where, Hey, maybe he feels like he can deal with it this day. Maybe he doesn't on these, but uh, I'm telling you again, as somebody that, that has has had that stuff like when, when your back flares up there's there's nothing you can do about it it's not a toughness issue it it just isn't and you think about a quarterback who plays the way that Jalen does you know his core is three quarters of who he is his ability to to throw the ball to 
to run option to do all those different things if you're if you're hurt in your core somewhere and your back is is certainly in your core then mm-hmm. you know it, it sort of limits every single thing that you do on a football field yeah i agree i agree those are kind of the thoughts i have you got anything else you want to add about texas or heading into no. this week no i mean it, i think uh i think this week will will be a big one because there's a chance that if they're able to get out of this game at home, you know, then travel to Stillwater against the struggling Oklahoma State team, Kansas could be bowl eligible by the bye week. And, and I don't think, you know, it, it was funny. What was the the stat that we said at the start of the year? Um, one of the betting sites, I can't remember if it was FanDuel or whoever, said that one of the most hammered bets this year was yeah. under. On KU under six. Flat. Yeah, under six. So if you were uh, if you were the type of person who bet the over and Kansas can get those next two, you're feeling awfully good about your life. Where you mm-hmm. just have to just have to sneak out another one somewhere there. But uh, but no, it, it's it, it's interesting because I think the Jenga analogy that you used is, is so apt because this thing still, as they continue to upgrade the talent and continue to get guys and everything into this program. I'm not saying there's not a foundation, but some of the levels of that house are maybe still the walls are a little thin. The, they aren't as well reinforced. And so when you look at something like that, where one thing not going right can impact another thing, can impact another thing. And next thing you know, your, your tower has kind of collapsed. One of the things that I will be very interested mm-hmm. to see against UCF I think Kansas is going to slow down the tempo because UCF wants to go fast. And and we've seen in those situations in particular, those are the games that, you know, Kansas wants to grind out drives and, you know, huddle for a long time and all those things. If Kansas can maintain drives and control the game with the running game, like they were able to against BYU, you know, I, I would feel a lot better about that outcome. Yeah, I tend to agree. I tend to agree. I think. Yeah, this is an, it's, it's going to be a game where KU's going to have to play complimentary football, right? Yeah. And I think that's going to be the case probably through the end of the season because that's where Kansas is, where they can win a lot of games this year yeah. if they play complimentary football. And that's a good spot to be in, right, Kevin? Yeah. Like, this is very different than two years ago when you're talking about, well, you know, KU's got to play, they got to do this, this, and this to have a shot at being in the game. Where now it's like, no, if KU plays their game and plays it well, they can win seven, eight, nine games. Yeah. Game, and what, and one of the things that, one of the things that had to happen <laughs> for them to stay in the game was for the other, for the opponent to basically not show up. And that's a harsh, that's a harsh thing to say, but that was, that was maybe the biggest factor. And now you're, you're at a point where, you know, if, if UCF brings its a game, Kansas can still win that game. If Kansas brings its a game too. And, and so, I think, you know, that's been one of the biggest differences, you know, over the last couple of years is, you know, it's no longer just based on, hey, is the opponent going to show up or not? Mm-hmm. It's Kansas has has a much greater say in its own destiny, I guess you would say. Yep, I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, Kevin, thanks as always for joining the show and thank you to everyone for listening. If you've liked what you heard, make sure you're leaving a rating and review on whatever podcast platform 
you're listening to us on. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you're liking the videos, subscribing to the channel, commenting, all those things go to help the algorithm. So more people can learn about the show, the channel, all the stuff we're doing around uh, fog.net. So thanks a bunch for listening. And we will talk to you midweek as we preview the USF game or UCF, not USF. That'd be a different game. A UCF game uh, later this week. So thanks for all for listening. We'll talk again soon.